Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/host. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombus donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombus.com/acast code acast. Hello and welcome to the 147 podcast with me, sports MC Phil Seymour, and him, the former Triple Crown winner and snooker world champion, the magician, Sean Murphy. How are you getting on, Sean? Phil, I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. We, Unlike the first podcast, we're not in the same room today. Well, I, we couldn't be in the same room today. It's too hot. Imagine us two in one room. This is very true actually for anyone listening later this is the middle of the heat wave I'm currently in Kent where it was 38 degrees today and you Sean are in Leicester very excitingly I'm in Leicester yeah now I'm not sure I would use the word exciting uh, but I'm in Leicester uh getting ready to play in Championship League tomorrow and um yeah I I my practice session today was was pretty short it was just too hot Did now right Was that too hot as in too hot for you to play or too hot cuz it affects the table because as someone who sort of came to work in snooker I don't know five or six years ago I wasn't really aware of conditions for me a snooker table is a snooker table is a snooker table but atmospheric conditions really affect them don't they Yeah they do uh, and uh, you know snooker um you know isn't really a summer sport certainly not in the UK or Ireland um and you know it's the the new tournaments over the last few seasons have have sort of seen the the gap in the the off season you know get smaller and smaller and so we now see a little bit of play in the UK in summertime um and it's something we're still not really used to or geared up for really um and yeah i mean i think uh, championship league this year they've they've said we can play in shorts if we want i mean i won't be in my legs out for anyone I can assure you. 
Well, well, let's just talk about playing attire very, very quickly because once again, as with the first podcast, you've been going around upsetting people on social media. This time, uh, Phil Haig of the, the wonderful Talking Snooker podcast and the Metro brought to my attention the fact that you have been upsetting the lovely Liam Highfield, who had a very, very fetching waistcoat with, I think it was a lovely paisley back. Beautiful, beautiful waistcoat it was. And you went on social media and said what, Sean? I think I said something like, "This is a this is a good reminder for everyone not to get dressed in the dark," which <laughs> which was very very harsh. But he came back with an absolute cracker that he'd rather look like he's got dressed in the dark than look like he dresses like David Cameron, which <laughs> yeah, I think he's won. Yeah, no, listen, I know when I'm beat. You know, part of being a good sportsman is you've got to know when you've lost. And, um, yeah, no, Liam can have that one. One nil to Highfield. But he's not the only person that calls you the Prime Minister, is he? No, I got nicknamed uh, the Prime Minister a few years ago uh, by uh, the whirlwind Jimmy White on Eurosport during one of the tournaments. And uh, I'm not convinced it was, like, you know, uh, a compliment. Um. And I don't think I look anything like Theresa May used to. I don't, I'm not sure about that. You but, do dance um, like her, though, to be fair. I, well, couldn't be any worse, could it? <laughs> right, we're going to come right. on to Lee and Highfield a little bit later on because you're playing him tomorrow in Championship League. So there could be a bit of needle there. There could be blood on the bays. We shall see what happens. <laughs> so two weeks since the last podcast, it's fair to say, I think on behalf of both of us, a massive thank you to everyone that's listened, commented on social media. Some of the feedback we've had really has blown us away, Sean, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been unbelievable. I mean, um, you know, as we said in the first episode, you know, this is something we've been talking about doing, um, you know, for for quite some time, uh, stretching back to the days of, you know, the pandemic and being locked in Stadium MK for weeks on end. I think we discussed this on one of those walks we used to do. But, um, you know, going into something like this, you're never sure whether anyone's going to listen. You know, you and I recorded the first one. That could have been just for us. Um, I liked it, uh, but but I was thrilled, uh, absolutely blown away by the support that um, people have shown us. Thank you so much to everyone um, who's downloaded and listened. Uh, and yeah, you know, if that's anything to go by, we we might be onto a winner. Oh, it's been yeah, pretty crazy. We did actually say that we'd record the first one if it was all right. We'd put it out. If not, we'd just bin it off as a really bad idea from us both. But <laughs> we ended up that first podcast got in. I think it was a top forty on the sports podcast on Spotify. We got in the charts for sports podcasts with Apple. Apple podcasts, what? Oh. So yeah, phenomenal. So just a massive thank you to everyone that's listened, shared stuff on social media. And, and giving us kind words, it is at 147pod all across social media. Please do interact with us. We've got a load more listeners' questions come up later on, and there's some complete belters in there today as well, which will be uh, fantastic. Now, last two weeks then, Sean, what have you been doing? Golf? Uh, yeah, there's been a lot of golf. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of watching the Open. I didn't leave the, didn't leave the, you know, the, 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 the lounge for um, pretty much the whole coverage. And, of course, now... You know, it's end-to-end coverage, isn't it? They, they're showing the practice rounds uh, as if it's real live play and or the procession of champions. Um, the worst bit about it for me was uh, the, the, a few days prior to the Open starting in St Andrews, I was there. I was there with some friends golfing for a couple of days at some courses nearby. 
And I was desperately trying to convince a couple of them to stay on and let's uh, stay and watch the Open and uh, soak it all in. But um, everyone had these, they've got these job things, you know, they had to get back to their real lives. And uh, I put a, a bit of a spanner in the works. But, um, yeah, I watched it, um, you know, a bit, a bit enviously, you know, wishing I was up there myself. But what a tournament it was. Um, and uh, yeah, eventually I had to drag myself out and go and get some fresh air. It's, it is a hard, a tough old life, isn't it, Sean? <laughs> what about you? What have you been up to since we uh, recorded? I've been working a lot, to be fair. I've been, been working a lot, I've been all over the country working. However, I did take some time out to go to the Super League Magic Weekend up in Newcastle, which is an amazing thing for anyone that doesn't, doesn't watch Rugby League, doesn't know anything about it. They play an entire round of Super League games, so six matches over two days in one stadium. It's It's been in different places. It's currently at Newcastle, St. James's Park. So myself and my, my 15-year-old son, Elliot, we went up there on the train. We went up, watched three games of rugby league. We had an absolutely cracking day, except for Wakefield's result, which was incredibly disappointing. Other than that, what a brilliant day. They staged it all up there. It's a packed stadium. Atmosphere was amazing. It was just brilliant. Yeah, cracking day out. Absolutely brilliant. So that was, uh, yeah, that was last Saturday, and it was it was a fantastic day. Is that that sport where they play with like a weird shaped ball and they run around? It's like a legalised Royal Rumble. They just batter each other legally on the pitch for like 80 minutes or something. You know, what a weird game that is. What a lack of culture you have. What, what oh. a distinct lack of culture you have. You, uh, you know, I, I give up. Bear in mind, okay, your idea of sport is walking around and hitting a ball with a stick. All right. I'm just going to leave it. Right there. Now, on a slightly more serious note, on a slightly more sombre note, on the first podcast, we, we mentioned Brandon Parker, um, your former manager and, and, and dear friend, who was the person who helped really to, to push, well, he had a massive impact on your career personally, and he pushed snooker out into Europe, particularly into Germany. Um, and it, it's two years today since since Brandon passed. Yeah, unbelievable how, uh, how fast those two years have gone. And um, I think it's important to remember people, and, and, and especially, um, you know, when they've made such a contribution to your life. Uh, and, of course, our careers, you know, we're both working in the snooker industry, um, which went from strength to strength, um, you know, of course, in what we call the Barry Hearn era. Um, but a lot of people don't know that, you know, Brandon was a huge part in bringing Barry Hearn back to snooker. Uh, Barry had walked away from snooker pretty much, uh, and um, Brandon was, you know, right on the right on the the front line in convincing Barry to come back and worked with him tirelessly, and was pretty much Barry's number two really, and certainly uh, was in charge of running the early European tour days and stuff like the PTCs, and they then flourished into ranking events, and of course the German Masters, uh, the trophy was rightly named after him. We play for the Brandon Parker Trophy now. Um, and you know wherever he is, um, he'll be getting a he'll be getting a nice warm feeling out of that. He certainly will. I was I was uh, honoured to be honest to be able to announce the Brandon Parker Trophy being presented for the first ever time when it was locked down in Milton Keynes, of course. And um, yeah, very touching, very fitting. I think um, a fitting tribute to the man who had so much to do with that particular event, definitely. So uh, yeah, rest in peace, Brandon. And um, he, no doubt. Sean will be watching you from afar tomorrow, making your season opener at the Championship League. In fact, you get to play three games in the day tomorrow. Oh, I mean, it's, it sounds far too much like hard work for me, Phil, to be honest. Um, I was at Championship League uh, not that long ago. Actually, I was there on commentary duty for a couple of days and I joined uh, Dave Hendon and Phil Yates there. 
Uh, very, very grateful to be up there doing a bit of that. And of course, I'm moving more into that world. So I'm, you know, seeing all those opportunities as chances to learn the job and learn off these, you know, great orators and great commentators watching how they go about their business. Um, but yeah, you know, it's cutthroat, the Championship League. Uh, and it's a real sort of, you know, awakening to the season. So it shows you where everyone is. And, um, not, it's not just the tan lines that give it away as to how much time players have had off. Um, you can see it in their games, and you know I'm saying that. I mean, I've I've enjoyed a good break uh, from 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 play, um, and uh, you know I'm coming into Championship League. Um, I wouldn't say I was, um, you know, absolutely sharp. Um, you know, my practice schedule has been pretty um, relaxed, you know, over the last few weeks. Uh, and so I'm going into it with a, a real sort of very low expectations. It will give me a good marker as to where I am. And, um, you know, in a, in a, in a fairly uh, tough group, um, you know, I, to be honest with you, I, you know, I don't expect to win the group at all. Uh, and I'm just going to, you know, try my best and, and see where it leaves me. The, the, I, I guess, you know, with no disrespect to Championship League at all, but I suppose... Um, the European Masters qualifier at the weekend for me is probably a little bit more important and what these three matches tomorrow will give me as a, as I say, a real benchmark as to where I am and what needs quickly improving uh, for Saturday's match. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just, just for anyone listening who isn't necessarily a snooker fan who's listening to podcast, Championship League used to be a bit of paid practice, really. It used to be a you know, a, a streamed event that was invitation only, and then lockdown happened. We were short of, of ranking events to, to get the players' ranking points and, and money, so they made it a ranking event. And this is the ranking event version of Championship League. All 128 tour card holders are invited to play. Um, it's group stages, so you have group stages first, four players in each group. You play three games in the day. Whoever tops the group then goes through to the next stage. Can be quite crucial for some of these players actually to to start to get some ranking points. You know, there's there's often very fine margins at the end of the season who stays on the tour, who doesn't, and it's been going on for a little while already. So, um, some of the players already through Robert Milkins, the um, Gibraltar Open winner, Aaron Hill, who we spoke about last week on the podcast. Um, we said Aaron, you know, he's got a lot to a lot to show, a lot to prove, and. Uh, He's through his group. Zhao Xin Tong is through Anthony Hamilton, the sheriff. Michael Judge got through, knocking out Kyron Wilson. Some some result that was. Chris Wakelin, mm. Luca Brissell, Lu Ning, Ronnie O'Sullivan, of course, dropped just two games in topping his group. And then Ricky Walden, Zhao Gudong, Yuan Sijun, Lu Hao Shan. There's been a lot of talk about Chinese players. There's quite a few gone through there. Ben Wollaston, what a result for Ben Wollaston in the, the massive in Leicester. Ben Wollaston knocks out Mark Selby. What a result for Ben that was. Goodness me. Elliot Slesser, Mark Williams is through. Gary Wilson, Jimmy Robertson had a great season last year. He's through already. Chang Bing Yu. And then for me, probably the, the most impressive one of all, Daniel Wells. Young Daniel Wells, or not so young Daniel Wells now, in a group with Dwayne Jones, Matt Selt and Dominic Dale. Well, Matt, Matt Selt, we know, takes these games very, very seriously. And... He will have been determined there. But yeah, Daniel Wells got through as well. So that, that was pretty impressive. Um, also, since the last podcast, you mentioned the European Masters qualifiers. We've had maximum breaks. Two 147s already. Zhang Ander and Hossein Vafei have, have knocked in maximums. But let's look at tomorrow then, Sean. So we've got on one table, we've got Judd Trump, Jamie Clark, Sean the Storm O'Sullivan, 
and Yi Sung Peng, and then your group, Sean, we've got you, Liam Highfield, with all the <laughs> drama of the waistcoat that's going to be going on. You've got Zhu Sir, another good Chinese player, and another player we spoke about last, last week, Ben Mertens, the young Belgian sensation. You're right, that's a tough group. Oh, I know. I like every now and again I'm right, you know, about well, certainly about snooker anyway, not really right about anything that ah no, listen, I mean, um you you reeled off those names of players who, who who've already got through. Like you know, there's plenty of other players who are really good players who didn't get through and it's completely cutthroat the Championship League, as I've already said. Uh, and not least, if you finish bottom of the group on any particular day, you leave with absolutely nothing. Um, what I will say is for Championship League snooker, obviously ran by the matchroom group, um, the catering is second to none. And so if you do lose, um, you can, you know, sneak a few goodies from the players' lounge and it just makes your journey home that, that little bit sweeter, you know? Sean, have you ever heard the word focus, all right? Forget the <laughs> catering. Forget the catering. Just hit those reds off the break, Sean. Yeah, listen, but I've missed the reds off the break. I know you have. I've missed them. Um, yeah, I, I, I am looking forward to playing tomorrow. I have to say, I, you know, it's it's been a while. Um, of course, I lost early in the World Championships to Stephen Maguire. Uh, and really, you know, that was obviously my last competitive game. You know, second week of April or so it feels like now. So, um, you know, it's been a, it's been a long time coming. Um, of course, for a lot of the guys who who didn't make it to the Crucible, who lost in the various stages of qualification, you know, it's been a long gap now between their last match and obviously the start of this new season. So I'd say, whilst everyone might be a little bit rusty here or there, you know, in different stages. Um, at the same time, everyone will be looking forward to getting the new season underway, and um, I feel exactly the same. Absolutely. Well, Steve Maguire, another player who's through in Championship League as well. And you mentioned Saturday and your European Masters qualifier. Um, I think the tournament had been played over in, in Firth in Germany this year. Um, you've got Dean Young, young Scottish player, who... Um, now, I've met Dean quite a few times. Again, lovely young lad. And he's one of those players, if he's on form, he's very dangerous. Yeah, well, it, it's something that, um, you know, we were actually, they were actually making the point about it during the golf coverage that, as I say, I, I might I might have watched at least 10 hours a day of the golf um, last week for the Open. But they were making the point that the, the, the young golfers coming through years ago, you know, there was a bit of their, you know, trying to, how do they put it? Um, you know, going through the tray, learning the learning the ways and the, the, the do's and don'ts of the tour and, um, you know, learning their apprenticeship and stuff like that. Whereas now they get to the tour and they're ready. They get to that main tour with their card in the hand and they can do damage day one. And in snooker, it's exactly the same. There used to be a thing of, you know, when the top 16 players walked in the room, uh, everyone went quiet, you know, because you just didn't see. When I turned pro, you didn't see a top 16 player until he got to the last 32 of an event, which, you know, the way I played back then was very unlikely. Um, didn't happen at all, even for a few seasons. But but now, you know, you're on the tour, you're sharp, you've come through Q-Tour or Q-School or whatever it might be. You've won the Europeans or whatever. However you've got there, you've earned it. And most of these guys now are coming to the tour absolutely ready to take you. If you're not ready on that particular day, they will destroy you. And the game has changed. 
And we talk about strength in depth all the time. But it's never been truer uh, in any sport as it is in snooker right now today. Uh, uh, and whether it's my opponent at the weekend, another one in another tournament, it doesn't matter who it, who it is down the line. They're all on their day capable of beating anyone else. So, you know, it's a case of first up, best dressed. What what you just said there, do you think, just, just thinking about Stephen Hendry's comeback this, this last couple of years, do you think that's taken him by real surprise? The the strength in depth sort of further down the, the rankings? Because I, I got the impression that he, he sort of came back thinking, okay, I'm going to struggle against the top 16, 32, but, you know, I'll win plenty of games. I, I don't know if he realised just just how how strong the sort of the tail end of the tour is. Yeah, I, I really don't know. I suppose you'd like to think in his, you know, punditry career, he would have been keeping, you know, at least one eye on people coming through and, you know, that turnstile of players coming through, you know, ch- swapping numbers each week with with people. But, um, yeah, may, maybe, he, maybe he, he, he was, you know, a bit of a rude awakening for Stephen just as how much the standard had changed in those years years he was away from the sport um i think the other thing as well is that like for steven when he was at his peak he was feared he had this intimidation factor and of course in the in those years since he retired lots of players have come on the tour it, of course they know who he is but for them he doesn't carry the same weight he, he, it's just, you know oh, there's Stephen hendry yeah he was very good it's not the same level of fit when i when i played him as a debutant at the crucible in 2002 when he when he walked in it was as if god himself had walked into the room uh, and the the fear the intimidation that he that he had you know be put on everyone myself included was just was tangible you know you could you could you could you could touch it um and once you lose that i suppose you lose everything i suppose you do yeah uh, great way of looking at it Sean, a few people have asked on the, the listeners' questions, but I'm just going to drop this one in now. It is your season opener tomorrow. Um, obviously, everyone knows you had problems with injuries and, and things like that last season. How are you ahead of the first game injury-wise and, and general fitness? How are you feeling? Yeah, good. Um, yeah, you know, I'm in good shape. And, um, I've, you know, I've been, been, been trying to work hard on, you know, stretching routines and stuff to help my back and my neck and... Um, you know, I don't think those problems are ever going to go away. I don't think snooker lends itself to, um, you know, good posture and, and all the way. You look at all, most snooker players have got some ache or pain somewhere. Um, it's a very peculiar position that you ask your body to take to play snooker. And so if you're not doing the counter stretches, you're going to be in trouble. And, um, you know, I've been guilty over the years of being quite ignorant to all of that. I would be probably a bit too old-fashioned for stuff like that. I wish I could go back and have my time again. And be a lot more focused on flexibility and core strength and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, compared to where I was, um, you know, in, in autumn last year, where I could barely play, I could barely bend down to play a shot. Um, touch wood, I'm all, I'm all good. Fantastic. That's great to hear. Well, you can watch Championship League on free sports, and then I believe the qualifiers for the European Masters are available on on different streaming services. But Championship League is available on free sports, either through the free sports app or through free sports. On Sky. Okay, Sean, do your stretches, prepare yourself, because after this, it is time for your rant. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to the 147 Podcast with Sean Murphy and Phil Seymour. If you like what you're listening to, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to interact with us across all forms of social media at 147pod. That's the words, at 147pod. Now, we've made a few changes to this because it was quite clear on the first episode of the podcast, Sean, you are seriously lacking in stamina. <laughs> Who have you been talking to? <laughs> I was in the room with you at the time. You had 147 seconds. And I think you blew yourself out after about 58 of those. So yeah. we are cutting the 147 round from 147 seconds to 1 minute 47. Do you think you can manage to last 1 minute 47 seconds, Sean? I, do you know I'm going to be honest and say no? <laughs> uh, I, I, I actually, I, I, I have, it's historically, I always have, I've been quite a ranty person. Um, but I, I, you know, maybe, maybe I just like to blow my top and move on. Maybe, I, maybe I've become a bit of a, you know, get it off my chest and then it, then it's all good. I mean, I would have thought filling a, you know, a segment like that would have been fairly easy, certainly for the old Sean who liked to get himself in trouble and say the odd controversial thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I'll try my best. I've got a few things up my sleeve. Okay. Well, as, as always, this is only the second podcast, but as always, the 1 minute 47 will come to the end with the klaxon of doom, okay? I am going to start. Are you ready, Mr. Murphy? I'm ready. Okay. I am starting the clock in 3, 2, 1, rant. Right, well, this week's rant is actually quite a serious one. You know, last week's was, uh, last episode's was a bit of fun, but um, this one's actually quite a serious one that gets under my skin almost on a daily basis basis it's that thing where people say things with no real comprehension of of what effect those words are going to have on the receiver you know you say something to somebody and you know you take no ownership or responsibility for those words words are dangerous and you know i've i've spoken many times over the years about you know insecurities around weight and being a big lad and trying to lose weight and trying to get you know been up and down for 20 odd years and innocently but it's so upsetting people jump in all the time and they call you things and they don't realize it big man how are you doing big man you're right big man i mean it's obviously just a throwaway line isn't it but it's so upsetting it's so offensive you don't walk up to someone in the street and go how are you doing you you know you tiny ginger person (laughs) you don't say that Uh, maybe we should start i don't know 
Um, but it, I just find, you know, commenting so freely on people's physical appearance, things they can do very little about, you know, it's just, I, I think it's time we, we took a little bit more responsibility for the words that we use. People say to me all the time, oh, big man, yeah, how are you doing, big man? You all right there, big man? And it's just so it's so upsetting and it cuts you to the core. Um, yeah, I, I just I wish people would just think a little bit more, think about the words they're going to use. Don't say things because I always try not to get involved in these personal comments. It's not nice. And I think people should stop. And that's exactly where you should stop, Sean. Do you know what? This is a rant I can actually buy into you. Except for the fact that you refer to little ginger person and we don't bring my three-year-old daughter onto this podcast ever, okay? <laughs> ever. Now, th- those words from strangers in the street, that they, they hurt, okay? But just, just to, to give you a window into my world, all right? Now, I'm not saying that my dad's heartless or anything like that, but the, the first ever time I did live television, I was doing the darts up in uh, the Royal Highland Centre in Edinburgh on ITV, filling in for our good friend John McDonald. And everything went perfect. Brilliant night, announced Phil the Power Taylor. It was incredible. Fantastic night. Really, really good. Got in the car, driving back to the hotel. I thought, I'll ring my dad. I'll ring my dad. He's, he's, you know, he was watching. It, I, it went so well. So I rang him up back home in York and uh, I said, did you watch his dad? Yeah, I did. I did, yeah. But he didn't have to look fat. (laughs) And I just hung the phone up. I thought, do you know what? I've had a great night there. I'll just hang the phone up. And it it just cuts dead. Now, from my dad, I can I kind of expect that from him. But you do get it from strangers. We had um last year when we did Snooker's Biggest Loser, there was a a guy came up to you and said something to you. It was after Snooker's Biggest Loser. And I think he said something about, oh, you know, you've you've put some weight back on. And he then came up to me and he, he said, well, I've just, I've just spoken to Sean Murphy. He said, all I did was point out that he's put some weight back on. And, well, he, he was terribly abrupt. <laughs> I said, well, what do you expect? You know, you, you've gone up to someone that, that doesn't know you, that you don't know, and you've told them they've put weight on. And, and you know, the guy didn't, just didn't see anything wrong with it at all. It was bizarre to me. Yeah, I remember that. And it, uh, it, was, it was a really upsetting mm. few months. And I think people, I don't know what it is. I think people just, they just, I think we're all guilty of it. We lose, uh, you know, any sense of uh, the effect that our words are going to have on others. And we don't really take ownership of it. We don't really know the effect that we're going to have on other people. And you know what? It's that very old fashioned saying, isn't it? And it's never been truer. If you haven't got anything nice to say, don't say anything, especially, and, and this is another saying that's, Obviously, I think very pertinent, uh, especially in today's world that we live in. You know, everyone is going through something. Everyone's fighting a battle that you know nothing about. And so you should all, at all times try and be kind to people. Um, you know, even poor Liam Highfield with that waistcoat. You know, I, I don't know what happened to him. Maybe he was attacked by a wallpaper design company or something on his way to play his match. I don't know. But So let, let's just talk double standards then, Sean, because... What's that if that's not you criticizing him? Yeah, I mean, it's, I suppose I would say it's about things that it's not that stuff you can't do anything about, but like, you know, you can't get dressed in the dark, can you? You can't do it. <laughs> you can't do it. I suppose it's a little bit different. You know, Liam Highfield, and, and the two of you can have a joke about that. It, it is different. And 
I've got. I, I do think a lot of this is symptomatic of social media. Um, someone someone said to me once that social media has one of the main problems it has caused is that people feel they can just say what they like about other people without the risk of getting punched in the face. Whereas mm. if you said that to someone in the pub, there's a very good chance you would get punched in the face. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I remember the guy the guy you've brought up there, I remember it was in the, the Red Dot Bar in, in, in the Milton Keynes Arena there where we, we basically lived for months. And um, I remember the guy. And uh, he came out, he was actually stood there with another player. He was there and uh, he said hello. And um, he, he decided to go down the road, as you said. He said, oh, I, you, you and Phil did that weight loss challenge. Yeah, that was really good. Um, didn't work, though, did it? <laughs> and, I, and I just, and I remember I was stood with Fergal at the time. And it, he, he could sense the temperature in the room had dropped through the floor. And he was like tugging at me as if to say, "No, just, just, just leave it now. Just, just walk away." And I, I can't remember exactly what I said to him, but I felt I had to say something because you, you just let people go all the time, especially if you're in the public eye to some degree. You know, everyone is a potential journalist these days, carrying the, you know, mobile phones and all of this stuff. Everyone's potentially can report you within a second of a photo, and you know, you just you have to think a little bit about that. Um, and I, but I just thought, you know, I can't let this go. This is such a personal thing to me. It's been the biggest battle I've fought for my whole life. Um, this is something I'm struggling with on a daily basis. You don't have the right to just jump into my life and say that to me. It's not okay for you to do. Um, and uh, yeah, that was a that was a real strange moment. But yeah, I mean, the rant is, you know, it's kind of it's obviously a bit of fun, but that's a a serious sort of serious, um, you know, situation in my life, certainly. And I'm sure for many people listening um, will have suffered, you know, at the, the hands of people who just haven't thought about the words they're using. So just to move on, and what we're saying, Sean, is be nice to people. Why can't we just all be a bit nicer to everyone? That's all we need, as everyone has been on social media to us since the first podcast. Now we're going to move on to listeners' questions before we do. We had a listener's question from Brian Coleman last time who asked, should a double be worth double points? Now, this has caused absolute outrage on social media. Some people saying, <laughs> yes, brilliant, great idea. Other people saying, no, of course it shouldn't. You can't mess with a game like that. Now, Michelle Bambrick, who, who I've met at several snooker tournaments, big, big snooker fan, often goes there with her daughter, Chloe. Uh, Michelle has said, and I think this, this is a good one that kind of sorts it out, nominate. You have to nominate double black or treble black. If you nominate double or treble and you get the double or treble, you get double or treble points. I, do you know, I, a lot of people have said they could try it at the shootout. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I actually feel, I, when we first discussed it, um, I, you know, I hadn't thought about it to its like nth degree, and I probably still haven't, you know, really. But the, the, the feedback on, on socials, as you say, has been unbelievable. It's really got people talking. Um, I especially like the whole idea of um, almost like when you're playing for snookers and stuff. You know, uh, um, you you know, if you need loads of snookers, but you can you get one of the fat and then you double the pink. That's worth twice. And I thought that, that's actually quite. It's different, isn't it? It's something different, potentially uh, reinventing the wheel uh, and maybe making an already fairly complicated sport 
possibly even more complicated. Um, I'm not sure it's going to get past the rules committee. I'm not sure they'll sanction this change. But, you know, for our first go, uh, it wasn't too bad. Do you know, for the shootout, I reckon that's a goer. I really do. As long as you nominate, I think it could be a goer. Anyway, let's move on to this week's listeners' questions because we've got some absolute belters. We will begin with Philip Greaves on Instagram. By the way, anyone that's asked a question that we don't manage to get in, we do apologise. We can only ask so many and we, we try and get as many crammed in as possible. So... Anyone that doesn't, we do apologise, but do keep trying at 147pod across all social media. Get your questions in. We'll try and get more on the next one. Right, Philip Greaves on Instagram. What are your thoughts on having cameras on practice tables? Um, yeah, I'm not against it. Um, I, I, I um, throughout my career, have, have actually been championing getting the practice tables more into public areas, getting us more on show, a bit like the golf uh, and the tennis, certainly at Wimbledon, you know, the practice courts, people go to watch that. I know people who go to golf tournaments and sit at the range. They don't go to watch the, the game. They actually go to watch the, 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 the practice range. Now, I'm sure that that would never happen in snooker. Uh, but pre-pandemic, we had uh, the Masters. Um, there was a setup where there was like a, a one-way glass into the practice room where the punters, they were milling around. If I think it was part of a wasn't just a wasn't the public lounge but it was one of the vip lounges and people were brought into and they could look through the glass and actually watch us practicing um i suggested because we always struggled at the uk championships with practice tables having to be put in the hotel over the road because you couldn't accommodate all the players and practice facilities from a one to eight basis in the york barbican um, I said, why don't we put the practice tables in the public areas, on the, in the foyers around the, you know, actually out in the public areas? Because they have the table for Q-Zone, um, but there's a lot of dead space there. Now, obviously the format has changed for this year's UK Championship, and that's now not going to be a problem. But um, going forward, uh, yeah, cameras, streaming, um, you know, and in public public areas wouldn't have any wouldn't have any problem with that at all. I've what got do to you say, think about it? Well, quite a few times I've been asked to film pieces to camera in the practice room at, at events with obviously players behind me be practicing and I'm talking to camera. And I've always been sort of quite wary of it, quite quite nervous of not wanting to, to interrupt the, the practice. What I would say is the players don't give a monkeys. They don't even know I'm there most of the time, I think. And if anything, I've had Jack Lizowski sort of laughing, joking and taking the mick out of me as I'm doing a few. But no, no one really seems to care. They're just... I think players just zone out. A lot of them have um, AirPods in or, or headphones or whatever, but they're just doing what they're doing, and, and I really don't think they care. So personally, like you said, I'd love to see them out in public. I know when I, I used to go to golf at York, when the, the old Benson and Hedges was at Fulford in York, as kids, we all used to go to the, the driving range and watch the players knocking, you know, drives however many yards. It was It was great to watch loads of players knocking the ball. So, yeah, I think it'd be a good thing, to be honest. Yeah, I must admit, like you're moving into a different area here, but I, I'm I'm all for anything that engages the the crowd and the audience at tournaments more with the players and you know the whole circus that is the tour. Anything that gets the crowd more involved, um, and I think whilst you know I'd be hesitant to be too critical of WST um, because you know putting these events on um, isn't as easy as people think it is. Um, I think when you go to things like the Open or any professional golf event, and certainly the events I've been to, you know, their infrastructure around, you know, what the, what the crowd can do, what they can get up to that doesn't include watching the golf. 
um, you know, would would put snooker to shame a little bit. So I think there's plenty more we could do, uh, and um, you know, I'm sure that in 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 the you know seasons to come, um, that'll improve. Definitely. A couple of years ago, there was uh, an opportunity for some players, I think, to go out onto the match table and, and practice on the match table for five or ten minutes. And I know talking to the crowd, I, I vaguely remember, I think it was Cheltenham, um, probably the World Grand Prix in Cheltenham. There was there was quite a few fans came in. I think Kyron Wilson was was practicing on the match table. And they all sort of got straight round the set and they were all watching him. And a, a few people said, you know, that was really special, that, because... They, they felt like they got to watch something they wouldn't normally get to watch. So, yeah, it's, it's maybe, uh, maybe a good idea and something, something that could be looked at. I believe you've got a question from Pav. Yeah, Pav on Twitter uh, says, is it still common for myself and players in general to suffer with nerves before a big match? Um, well, uh, you know, at my stage of my career, I don't get to play that many big matches anymore. I'm usually at home watching watching from the TV, Pav. But um, no, in, in all seriousness, I think uh, I think it's one of those things. I actually had a I actually had a bit of a row with somebody once at an exhibition um, who basically accused myself and all the other top players of match fixing um, when we lose matches that he dis- he thought we shouldn't. And I said, well, no, you know, what you have to remember is we're all human. Uh, We all make mistakes. Sometimes, you know, the lower-ranked player plays better than you and you lose a match. I said, and the other thing you've got to remember is we're nervous. You know, we're we're playing for our livelihood. We're playing to win trophies. We're we're performing in, you know, sometimes in front of very large uh, live audiences and obviously, you know, very big audiences around the world through, you know, through the media. And I think people forget that um, that that just so innocent feeling of being nervous is something that you know we all suffer with. It's such a throwaway comment, but you know I, I've seen players in all sorts of states backstage. I've seen players being physically sick prior to going out into an arena. Um, players, play, some players are super stressed. They can't talk. Some overtalk. Some shout. Some scream. As I say, I, I've noticed players become very unwell. Um, and then you get some players who just like they look like it's you know a walk in the park and it looks nothing f- for them to do it. So uh, you know, a long-winded answer, but in, you know, definitely yes, a million percent yes. And just to give the flip side of that coin, I was once party to a conversation. I think after a mid-session interval between Ronnie O'Sullivan and John Higgins, they're waiting to come on. I'm, I'm waiting to announce them back out. I think one of the big ITV tournaments, and uh, they were discussing John's shoes. <laughs> Ronnie, well, Ronnie looked are. down. And he said, uh, "He says I do like those shoes, John. Where did you get those from?" He said, oh, "I got these from uh, such and such. Oh, right, decent value. Yeah, they weren't bad actually." And I'm sort of thinking, "You're about <laughs> to go out there on on global television, playing in a, I think it was a semi final, proper pressure match, but you're just discussing shoes, so that's all good." So yeah, I guess some some get nervous, some don't so much. Right, moving on. Uh, Marlin, I hope I pronounced your name right. Over in Germany on Twitter, loads of German people tweeting us this week, which was fantastic. Being a German who unfortunately hasn't been to the UK or Ireland yet, where's the best place to live and why? Well, Sean, you've lived everywhere. Very few places that I haven't lived um, uh, for lots of different reasons. I would say that Manchester is is right up there for me. Um, I've never lived uh, further east than in the beautiful city of York, as you do. Um, spent a lot of time there. I like York a lot. Moved around the UK a lot, and um, obviously the last few years I've been in Dublin. But um, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna pin my uh, pin my um, heart on Manchester. Okay, and, and, me, and you'd be wrong. Of course, the the correct answer <laughs> to that, Marlin, is York. York is the best place to live in uh, in the UK and Ireland. By a country mile, it's got everything. We've got the coast, 35 minutes away. We've got the moors, 20 minutes away. We've got the dales, 20 minutes away. We've got history. We've got the uh, the biggest Gothic cathedral in Europe. We've got castles. We've got everything. And we've got oh. the UK Championship as well. And yeah. I live there. So York is the correct answer to that one, Marlin. Nearly, dr- nearly dropped off there. Sorry, Marlin. <laughs> Moving on, Sean. <laughs> okay, uh, Simon Snowden on Facebook. In snooker, the rules and the equipment rarely change. If you could change, add or remove one rule in snooker, what would it be? Well, Simon, it's funny you should ask because, um, and if there are any snooker referees listening to this, they'll all be cringing now, as I say, because they know what I'm about to say. I want the foul and a miss rule removed. I want it deleted from snooker history. Primarily because I really dislike how long it takes and uh, the whole messing around of repositioning the balls. Um, but a close second because I actually believe now that the miss rule is encouraging the better player to play a professional fouls. And they know that if they have a full ball contact on the on the object ball on the ball on, they they get two free goes at hitting at hitting the ball before they get warned. Now they're going to lose the penalty points, of course, but they they're not often that important. They're going to get two free sighters at it, where they can play to miss it, and if they happen to hit it, so be it. And I just don't like it. I don't like. The, the misrule was brought back into the game in the early 90s to stop pr- the professional foul. And I think now, you know, some 30 years on, it's actually, by hook or by crook, has actually started to encourage it again. Um, now, I want it removed, and I'd like it replaced with, um, after any foul, uh, the incoming player can pick the cue ball up and they can put it anywhere on the table. And off they go. Wow, that's that's a big one. That is controversial. So I think I'm put down. Well, goodness me. Well, let us know on social media what you think. The rule change I bring in. Are you ready for this one, Sean? You're not going to like this. Oh, I'm no. banning the rest. You're banning the yeah, rest. Just man up and play the shot. Either lean over what the table or reach the shot. Or play it the other way. Play it off cushions. I don't care. Man up. Ban the rest. You've got play a cue. The other way. You've got a cue. Ban the rest. Listen, if you're if you're banning the mistral, I'm allowed to ban the rest. So. That's just how it is. I'm banning the rest. Well, the rest isn't a rule. You haven't read the question. The rest isn't a rule. Well, the, it says format or equipment rarely change. If you could change, yeah, yeah, all right. He's asked for a rule change. Okay, fair enough. I'm banning the rest anyway. You're banning the mistral. I'm banning the rest. Moving on. <laughs> watch Arts Watch on Instagram. Um, asks us both a question, actually. Sean, would you rather win another world championship or be knighted? And to me... Would I rather have my dream announcing gig and all the fame and money that goes with it or be knighted? So, Sir Sean Murphy. <laughs> um, well, uh, I'm very lucky to have already won the World Championship um, and lost in three subsequent finals. Um, so I've been very close to, to a second, third and fourth World Championship. Um 
Not been close to any form of uh, visit to Buckingham Palace, though. And uh, you know, I reckon I could be tempted with a knighthood wow. just for the just for the restaurant reservations it'd get you. <laughs> I I actually know somebody who was knighted a few years ago, and um, I was with them, and they rang a restaurant, and they couldn't get in this restaurant, so they rang back, and he dropped his sir into wow. the conversation. And all of a sudden, there was a table produced out of nowhere. So I've seen it in action. So, yeah, um, World Championship or Knighthood? I'll take the Knighthood. Taking the Knighthood. Well, the best thing, dream announcing gig and all the fame and money that goes with it or be knighted, right? I, listen, I, I live I live for moments. Money, I, I, money's money, isn't it? But fame does not do it for me at all. I've never, I, I, I will never be famous. I've never wanted to be famous. It's not, not. I think the only two reasons I would want to be famous are to go on Celebrity Hunted because I think that program's incredible and to go on I'm a Celebrity, not the Welsh version, nothing against Wales, I love Wales, but the proper Australian <laughs> version. That I've, I've said for many years, the only reason I would like to be a celebrity is to go on I'm a Celebrity. So just, just to put it out there, if they blow their budget on two big names and they need some proper ZZZ lists... I'm I'm cheap and I'm available around Christmas time. That's all I'm saying. Okay, I would be over there like a shot. So, isn't all... that what your online dating profile? Is? <laughs> you bad man. <laughs> so I, I'd go with the knighthood. I think it's a massive honor. I think it's an absolutely huge yeah. anything any any honor like that is is absolutely massive. You know, not that many people get them. So yeah, I'd, I'd completely take the knighthood over uh, over all of that stuff. Quick diversion into the hunted. Go on. How do you, how do you think you'd do on that show? Oh, I'd I'd win easy. Con, oh, you'd win easy. Con, contacts all over the country. Um, yeah, and I'd plan it well in advance. I'm a very planned person, Sean. You don't understand. Would you just blend in? Would you just blend into the background? Well, no one, we no, one, no one would see. You for no weeks. one would spot me anyway. They, they wouldn't recognise you, would they? So I'm sure I'd be absolutely fine. But <laughs> no, no. It, listen, I, I know people all over the UK, and I'm pretty resourceful. I, I'm 100 percent confident I could do it. Plus. No one's ever tried to take one of the hunters down either, so I'd <laughs> I'd give that a crack. You know what I mean? I'd, I'd have yeah, a kendo stick or something, that, and just this is where all that rugby stuff comes into it. Isn't absolutely, it? As, uh, as Jackson O'Neill said on Love Island, run at me. <laughs> right, um, another one here, Sam, darting snooker on Twitter. Who is your favourite player to watch? Oh, I'll go first on this one then. I'd... Obviously, present company accepted, Sean. Uh, it, it's got to be the, the last few years. It's got to be Judd. Um, it's got to be Judd yeah. Trump. So some of the some of the shots, you know, we've 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 leapt out of the chairs in the media center. Some of the shots he played in, in Milton Keynes during lockdown, we had no crowds in, and if we had had crowds in, some of the shots he played would have would have absolutely ripped the roof off that place. So I've I've got to say Judd. He's um you know he's amazing. Obviously Ronnie Ronnie's great to watch and. You know, a lot of other players are, but for me, it's the last few years, it's got to be Judd Trump. Yeah. Yeah, I completely get that. Um, I'd find it hard to, to, to disagree with that. Um, I mean, I'm going to, but um, <laughs> uh, it wouldn't be easy. I, I You know, I, I, Zintong's very watchable. I think Zhao Zintong is very easy on the eye. Um, but I know uh, amongst the tour, he would probably be the answer to this question, and he's my answer as well, and that's Tep Chaya Anu. I think yep. the way Tep Chaya plays... I don't know any players on tour who, you know, uh, won't watch him if he's on. Um, just, the, you know, he, he's like almost, if not the quickest, he's almost the quickest player on tour. And when you watch him, he looks like he's just wandering about. 
Um, seems to seems to play well at will. Uh, so easy on the ice, so graceful. Another left-hander that just looks like they were born to play sport, and um, he would be my favourite. And you know, when he when he won the shootout, there's um, I was sort of backstage, just an interview with him, and then he, he spoke to his mum on the phone, and I I happened to just be there, and what an amazing moment that was! It really wasn't. Unfortunately, he's not really backed it up since, but just just that moment, he was he was incredibly proud of what he'd achieved, and rightly so. And yeah, you know, some people sort of put down on the shootout, but but that that moment was uh, was absolutely phenomenal. So yeah, Tepchai, a great player to watch. Right, next up then, Michael Wright on Twitter. Great first episode, guys. Well done, Michael. That gets your question on instantly. <laughs> if you could be a character in any film or TV series, who would you be? Ooh, what a question that mm. is. There is only one answer, obviously. Um and that is 007, James Bond. Oh, how cliched is that? No, I've gone with Bill or Ted. Either Bill or Ted from, from Bill and Ted's Excellence Adventure. Which, which, which one? Whichever, whichever one you like, really. Either. <laughs> either. I don't care. Bill, Bill, Bill or, or Ted. Ted. Yeah, definitely. Oh, come on. There's no way you're wearing those swimming trunks, Sean, and walking out of the water. No way you're getting away with those, my friend. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. Amanda Davy on Facebook. Best snooker town city venue or hotels uh, for our recommendations. What's the best place to go and watch some snooker? Uh, and then also uh, subsequent question. Any weight loss tips uh, as I'm 40 next month? Brackets exactly one week older than Sean. Where's your favourite venue to go to and city and stuff to visit? And it can't be York because you live there. Belfast. Belfast. Belfast's a great city. Great city, great venue. Never stayed in hotels. Stayed in apartments over there, actually. Um, although I have stayed in hotels in Belfast and they've always been great. So personally, I, I would say Belfast. It's, love it over there. Uh, weight loss tips. Move more is, is probably the one that I would say. Um, you know, move, move more and, and try and control what you eat. It's, it's difficult. It's you know losing weight is really difficult, Amanda. Um, I've struggled with it my entire life. I know I know Sean's had his struggles as well. So, yeah, just just try and move more. Be that walking or or whatever. Just just try and move more. But yeah, for me, city. I've got to go. Oh, do you know Clandidno is beautiful though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, lovely. Yeah, Clandidno is amazing. Um, I, I all round, I'd say Belfast. What about you, Sean? Yeah, I was thinking about this, and it's you know very easy to say it's like a cliched answer, the Sheffield for the Crucible and and all of that. I mean, that's a given. Um, I think the you know the majors kind of stand alone. You know, the Masters in London is obviously fabulous as well, but it's not there now. Um, so perhaps this is a silly answer, but I I always really liked uh, the Welsh Open in Cardiff. I always thought Cardiff was a brilliant city to go to, but. I guess, um, I guess, as there's no tournament there, um, that's a pretty rubbish answer. I mean, I'll tell you where I am looking forward to going to this year. Never been there, Edinburgh. Mm. Uh, flew into Edinburgh last week um, when we went for that golf trip, um, but I'm really looking forward to playing snooker in Edinburgh. Um, I think it's great that the Scottish Open has returned to Scotland first and foremost, <laughs> having had a dabble in Wales last year and England uh, the year before, of course. 
very, very strange, isn't it? <laughs> very strange. Yeah, fair play to them, the Scots getting their own tournament back. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think Edinburgh will be pretty special. Um, but you know what? I would go along with you as well. I think Belfast is a great shout, a great city, um, full of great culture. Uh, and yeah, would be top of my list as well. Absolutely. Right, next up, Mark Rayburn on Facebook. Right, some quick fire ones here, Sean. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Dogs for me as well. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Uh, okay, I'm going to caveat this. Coffee, unless it's Yorkshire Tea Gold, which is the best coffee in the entire world. Dublin. Do you know what quick oh. fire means? Yep. Dublin or London? Dublin. Dublin. Sun or rain? Sun. Sun. Alex or Jimmy to watch? Jimmy. <sighs> because I know him, Jimmy. And to Sean, will you denounce your British passport and become a full Irishman so we get a ranking event back in Ireland, please? Is that how it works, Sean? Whatever nationality you pick, they get a ranking event. I didn't know that. I didn't know you had that power. That's incredible. Incredible. It's one of my superpowers I've kept hidden. Um, if If I'd known they were the rules, I would have become a United States citizen many, many years ago. Um... No, I was actually talking about this recently enough uh, about the uh, things in Ireland uh, uh, and why and why there's not a tournament over there. Um, if 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 I if I thought my support um, uh, and nationality status would would lend any help to it, in all seriousness, uh, I would do anything I could to get a tournament over there. The amount of interest and support for snooker and the players in general in Ireland is just off the charts. Um, but at the end of the day, it all comes down to broadcasters. It all comes down to, you know, people, companies putting their hands in their pockets uh, and paying for these events. You know, these events don't put themselves on. Um, and, uh, you know, you see the recent pictures on social media from the from the Legends Tour that was out there in Goffs, absolutely packed to the rafters. Um, now, obviously, watching four legends of the game, you know, they, 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 you know it's, um, it's not like they're watching you on a cold Wednesday night. Um, <laughs> but, you know... Absolutely, you know, standing room only. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if we could get a tournament back to the Republic, I think that's what you'd see. It'd be very well supported. Yeah, it'd be a great shout. Okay, moving on then. Um, Hannah LNX on Instagram. Would you rather have fingers for nipples or nipples for fingers? The big Good question. Nip- the burning question, this one, Sean. Fingers for yeah, nipples or nipples for fingers? I'm going for... Uh, I'm going for fingers for nipples. It is fingers for nipples. It's got to be fingers for nipples. Nipples for fingers. You couldn't play snooker, could you? You'd be in, you'd be in big what trouble. What could you do with that? What could you do with that? Matty on Instagram uh, comes in and says, how long do you think it'll be until a Chinese player wins the world championship? How long is a piece of string? It could be It could be this coming year. It could be not for 20 years. Who? Do you know what? Something that really winds me up here, okay? People that say you should have won more world titles. People that say Neil Robertson should should have won more world titles. People that say Ding should have won a world title, right? If all these players should have won world titles, who shouldn't? Who shouldn't have won one? Because for me, the Crucible, the Sheffield, the World Championship, is the ultimate test. It's the ultimate sporting test. In fact, push out to any sport. The, the World Championships in snooker is the ultimate sporting test. If you win that... You deserve to win that. You cannot fluke the world championships. Anyone that that wins it thoroughly deserves to. So for me, a Chinese player will win the world championships when they deserve to. 
So are you saying then that people who haven't won it didn't deserve to? Yeah. If, if you win a world... Cha- well, turn it round then. Who Who's one that didn't deserve to win one? Well, I don't think anyone uh, has won it who didn't deserve it. There's Certainly not over that, you know, that, that period of 17 days. Um, now, there was talk a few years ago of, of altering the format of the World Championship, shortening games and this, that and the other. And, you know, it, it didn't really go anywhere. Um, you know, just because it was felt that everyone who's won that tournament at the Crucible over the last few years, going back 40-odd years, they've all faced the same test. Um, so I think uh, I think it will happen. I think I think you, I think for me now, um, I, d- I don't think Ding will ever win uh, the World Championship. I think I think he's probably had his had his go. I don't think uh, I don't think he'll ever win that now. Um, but I think you know, look at somebody. I would say Yan Bin Tao is probably the 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 strongest Chinese player currently, um, and and he to, looks to me he's got he's got all the the, the bits that you need um, to, to 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 fight that battle. Yeah, absolutely. I think Shintong is, is right up there as well. So I think the answer is that they'll win one when they deserve. So just a couple more listener questions and I'm just going to going to pick out before we move on. Uh, Joe Spurs Smart. Joe's an old school friend of mine, actually, on Twitter. Who is Phil's favourite Sean, not Murphy? And who is Sean's favourite Phil, not Seymour? I'm cheating with the spelling, but Sean Bean, because I think he's incredible. So Sean Bean's my favourite Sean. Your favourite Phil? Phil Yates. Phil Yates. No, no, no debate. Lovely man, absolutely lovely man. Um, let's just move on ever so slightly. Ha, Kizzy77 on Twitter. Did Sean really suggest Stevie Maguire should be fined for forgetting his chalk? And if so, does he regret it? Well, I'm very pleased that this question has come uh, to us this week because this has plagued me for most of my professional career. Most people think that way back when, probably nearly 20 years ago, uh, Stephen Maguire and I played each other in Preston and he arrived to the match table. He didn't have his chalk. Uh, He turned around to ask the referee if he could leave the arena and go and get his chalk and was told he could. Meanwhile, I was sat down in my chair. People to this day think that I said to the referee, I want him Dr. Frame, he's broken the rules, dock him a frame. And that simply isn't what happened. When I was doing my glass and putting the water in the glass, as you do, I looked up to see Stephen leaving the arena. I had no idea where he was going. So I did call the referee over and I asked the referee where he'd gone. The referee said he's gone to get his chalk. And I, I, you know, I was sort of like, right, okay, no problem. I'll, you know, and we won't be long with it. And we were just chatting about, like, because it's such a strange thing to happen. But it's completely false that people think that I had him Dr. Frame. Now, if you delve even a bit further into it, um, it wasn't even the referee. The referee's name was Johan Uman. He sadly passed away a couple of years ago. Um, but it was actually Mike Ganley, the tournament director who docked Stephen the frame, and he did it behind the sight of cameras. Stephen had just re-entered the arena. Mike, being aware that Stephen should have been docked a frame because he caused the match to start late, docked him the frame there and then. Stephen, to this day, thought that it was me that had instigated it, and it was just a real case of being, you know, wrong time, wrong place. What I should have done, if I, you know, if I'd known how it was going to go, I would never have spoke to the referee at all. Because by me having a conversation with the ref, 
it looked like I'd goaded the referee into docking him a frame, and it's completely untrue. So there you go. Sean did not ask for Stephen Maguire to be found a frame at all. He asked for him to be found two frames. Just admit it, Sean. Come on. <laughs> it was me who nicked his joke. <laughs> Okay, just a couple of very quick ones then before we move on. Carl Manning on Facebook. If you could have been present at one sporting moment in history, what would it have been? Goodness me. One sporting moment in history. Um, do you know what I'm going to go with? I'm going to go with that famous chipping from the back of the 16th green of Tiger Woods where he was in absolute no-man's land. He chips the ball up to the top of the hill. It stops turns and rolls down and then a sponsor's dream it's stopped on the edge of the hole as the nike symbol just turned on the ball looked like it was going to stop and then everyone went mad as it fell in that would have been iconic yeah incredible for me i'm a a big um nfl american football fan and denver broncos are my team and in 1987 something happened that's since become known as the drive if you google the drive, Denver Broncos. There's been documentaries made about it. The AFC Championship game, basically the semi-final before the Super Bowl. Um, in five minutes, they went 98 yards up the pitch. I think there's 15 plays. John Elway, legendary quarterback, my all-time hero when I was a kid. Um, they, they went five minutes, the full length of the pitch to tie the game. Just Google the drive, Denver Broncos. Watch the documentary on it. It was incredible. To have been there in that stadium would have been absolutely amazing so for Sean it's, it's Tiger Woods chip for me the drive in the NFL two more questions then before we go on to our pointless question firstly Ben Taylor Fuente on Facebook is it black or green bins this week <laughs> uh, green green it, it is green bins actually there's only one way to find that out Ben and that is to look at your elderly neighbours because they put them out about one o'clock in the afternoon and they always get them right. Finally, Tony from ABC Snooker Exhibitions, good friend of mine is Tony. If you could have one superpower, what would you choose? Well, um, this is actually something I've put a lot of thought into over the years. Um, (laughs) Why? Yeah, as a full superhero addict and like full DC Comics, Marvel, you know, know, I'm addicted to them. it would have always been flight, wouldn't it? I think everyone's was flight, you know, to have the ability to fly. That would have been unbelievable. I've now gone for a slightly more educated answer. My superpower, and I don't know anyone who has this, my superpower would be to speak every language. So when you were stood amongst people and you couldn't understand, you knew what they were saying. Wow. I love that. I thought you were going to say to be as good with the rest as Kyron Wilson. Well, listen, this isn't, we're not dealing with miracles here, Phil. This this is a serious question. This is a serious question. You know, uh, just a little funny story on the languages thing. I once sat behind Mark Wildman, uh, who, uh, you know, an old name from snooker. He was chairman of the WPBSA for many years. And during towards the end of the 90s and early 2000s, snooker was in a bit of political turmoil. There was EGMs being called all the time, infighting in and all the rest of it. And we once went to an AGM with Mark and I, I tapped him on his shoulder and his notes that he had handwritten were all in German. And I said, Mark, wh- wh- why are all your notes in German? And he turned around to me and said, so nosy people like you can't understand them. <laughs> what a genius. 
What genius. an absolute genius. That's brilliant. <laughs> For me, Tony, teleportation. It's Teleport. quite simple. Teleportation. I can go anywhere in the world. Um, when I'm working away, I can just snap my fingers and I'm back home. Um, yeah, teleportation without any doubt at all. I could just magic myself into the vault at the bank and leave with loads of money. It's got to be teleportation. It's, um, yeah, nice and simple. Safe traveling. Right. That's listeners' questions. If you've got a question, there's was, there was loads we've had this week that we've not managed to squeeze in. If you've got a question, please contact us on social media at 147pod. That's the words, all one sentence, 147pod. Ask us questions on there. We will answer as many as we can on the next podcast. We've got quite a few from this one to, to hold over for the next one. But before we go, we must ask our pointless question. Sean, the pointless mm. question for this podcast is, you have the ability to bring one dead celebrity back to life, who do you choose and why? Yeah, do you know, I just, I, I, I'm not able to pin this down to just one. I, I just can't do it. Um, who would you go for, just out of interest? <sighs> now, the, yeah, it's a tough one. It's, it's a really, really That's tough it. one. Yeah, tough it's, question, this. It's a really, really tough one. Um, I, I think... Personally, Kurt Cobain from Nirvana. Um, I was a massive Nirvana fan. Still am a massive Nirvana fan. Um, I was a massive Nirvana fan back back when they were, were a band and they were big and everything else. And I just, I think he he went with an awful lot left to give. So I'd, I'd, I'd say Kurt Cobain. Well, I was going to say John Lennon because, you know, I'm a massive, massive Beatles fan. Um, and uh, but 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 I'm probably that only gets surpassed by uh, how much of a Queen fan I am. So I'm going to say Freddie Mercury. And uh, you know we we mentioned Brandon earlier on. I always remember Brandon telling me a story that he didn't have many regrets, but one of the few regrets he had was he had tickets to go and see Live Aid. No, and he never, and he never went. Wow, what a miss. He said he always regretted not going to that. He was a massive Queen fan as well. So, yeah, for all those reasons and more, the best frontman we've ever seen, I think the best showman of all time, um, would be Freddie Mercury. Yeah, without doubt at all. So there you go. I'm bringing back Kurt Cobain. Sean is bringing back Freddie Mercury. Who would you bring back? Who, which dead celebrity would you bring back to life if you could? Tell us on social media at 147pod. Sean? Good luck for tomorrow in Championship League. Good luck for Saturday in the European Masters qualifiers. You're going to go out top your group, yeah? I'm going to need as much luck as I can muster. Brilliant. That was the 147 podcast. We will see you in two weeks' time. That was the 147 podcast with Sean Murphy and Phil Seymour. If you enjoyed what you've just listened to, make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, and interact with us across all forms of social media at 147pod. That's all words at 147pod. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.